something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Look out, it's only films to be buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a bottle crate, and I love films. As Frank Zappa once said, so many books, so little time. So one shortcut is to watch the film of the book. Wise words from Frank Zappa there, always worth checking in with him. Every week I invite a special guest over, I tell them they've died, then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. Previous guests include Jamila Jamil, Ricky Gervais and January Jones amongst others. But this week, my special guest is the one and only Burun Shaughnessy. Thanks to everyone who came to the BFI live show with Roisin Connery. Oh, it was lovely, wasn't it? Lovely. And the audience stories, they're incredible. Every time we do it, it blows my mind. I'll be trying to fit two more in this year, so look out for those. And thanks again for those who came. If you do enjoy the podcast and you want to support it and get more content, come and join me over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein, where you'll get extra guest questions, you'll get videos, you get guest list tickets, you get reviews, recommendations, all sorts of stuff. This week, I think there's a full 15 to 20 minutes extra stuff with Barunka. It's great stuff. You don't want to miss it. And remember, I mean, the real reason to join Patreon is so that you never have to hear me talking about joining Patreon again. You just get the whole episode ad-free without this sort of chat. Oh, you'll love it. Come on. Give it a look over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. So here we go. Barunka O'Shaughnessy is a comedian, a performer, a writer, a producer, and the secret brain behind many of the TV shows that you love. She's co-written on so many shows, some credited, some uncredited. I suppose her biggest credit as a writing credit is she. she's only bloody won a BAFTA. She co-wrote on Hunderby. So you know, she's the real deal. Uh, this episode, I'd say, is the one that is the most historically interesting that I've ever done. And for all the people who worry there aren't enough foreign films on the podcast, don't you worry, she's got you covered. It's a really good episode. We recorded it quite early this year, and I'm excited for you all to hear it. Uh, so that is it for now. I very much hope you enjoy episode 58 of Films to be Buried With. Oh, there's one thing that I would like to add before we start the episode, which is a trigger warning. Now, I don't know if I need to do these things, but I'd like to be conscientious just in case. In this episode, we do discuss things that involve dignitas, that sort of thing. 
And if that is upsetting for you, then maybe you would like to avoid the first half of this podcast. Otherwise, I hope you enjoy it. All right. Thank you. Bye. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried With. My name is Brett Goldstein. I'm joined today by a sketch performer, a stand-up ever? No. Not a stand-up. Live narrative comedy. Live narrative comedy. Character comedy. Character comedy. A actor, a writer, an award winner, and mother to my favourite child, please welcome to the show, Burun Koresh Odyssey. Thank you for coming to my house. I'm honoured. The thing about Barinka is, if I may, you are, in many ways, the secret brain behind a lot of people's favourite comedies, I think. I think that you have been brought on, you're often writing in the background on what a lot of people think are the best comedies made in Britain. Yeah. And it's actually... Is it me? You. you. Am I the common denominator? You're like... mm, Serrano de Bergerac, except you don't have a massive nose. That's true. You're like secretly I am, I am writing the... all the stuff. Wow. What do you think about that? I like that. What do you think about that claim? I like that. I'd Isn't rather it? be like... In, it, up front. In the front. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm afraid... I'd rather not be in the background. If that's I'm afraid right. you have to stay behind the curtain. Thank oh, you. I'm the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. I, d- I tried being in front of the curtain. I don't think, I don't think it suited me. Not for you? scrutiny. Oh, you didn't like it? I did, but then it got, you know, I took it too literally. I thought I really was the centre of everyone's universe. (laughs) And then I'd have to go home and I wasn't anymore. Then you were like, I'm going to run the universe from behind. Well, yeah. And then I just sort of settled into a slightly more realistic version of life. Were you still perform? I saw you in the film. Ah. Oh, what, in the kitchen scene? Yeah. For a second. Excellent second. Do you know what I'd love? Yeah, I'd love to do a turn. If people said to me, come and do a turn. Yeah. I'd do it. I like adverts, for example, because they're quick, they're done. They usually take you somewhere quite glamorous. Right. And then you're, and it's over. The other thing about filming is, as you all know, is that it's interminable and there's so much fucking hanging around. Mm. And it's really weird dead time when you can't do anything else. Yeah. And there's no control. You are a puppet. And, yeah. Um, unless it's your, your show and your directing and your writing. Yeah. And you're in it. Yeah. Then you, as long as you're busy, because otherwise, yeah. sometimes filming is like, and some people think this is nice, but then I realise that that's my nightmare. It's a bit like being at a cocktail party without any cocktail. But as in, yeah. it's a lot of just standing around like with a cup of tea going like, how's your yeah inane chat yeah but also it's not like even if you have say four hours off in your trailer yeah God, it's, it's like it's weird dead time where you can't do anything else you can't focus or yeah. shift your focus anyway boohoo <laughs> <All actors. laughs> but you did a you, yeah you were the boots girl weren't you are you still no not anymore no, sorry that was a good gig yeah you were here come the girls that's you that's right here she there comes you go. that was my the highlight of my performing <laughs> career. But you did lots of stuff. You've done lots of stuff. You did uh, what? Uh, yeah, bumble- you know how bees, you bumblebees, but beehive, beehive. Yeah, well, sketch show. I was a monster and fell out with everyone. Oh, yeah. Okay. It doesn't suit me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was that weird thing when you come out. You do Edinburgh and then you come back from Edinburgh and everyone goes, "Ooh, a new person. Let's put them in things." And they right. go. 
oh, why can't you do everything? Oh, we don't want you anymore. There's some new, new, new people coming out. Get back behind the curtain. Yeah, F, mm. F off. Mm. Are you allowed to swear on this, by you the way? You can swear on this. Woohoo! This shit can't bollock. <laughs> She's out of the box. Uh, um, thrilling. That's interesting. So, but you still would. You just don't actively. Yeah, if you, it if you gave it to me. Okay. Or um, you know, projects with with friends. Yeah. It's just that uh, it's just all the fucking fuss around it. You know, standing there waiting for someone to do lights and all that shit. Yeah. It's not like you just get on with it and because it's fun improvising, isn't it? And and sort of being yeah, in the moment. That. You just have to repeat the same old shit, lose mm. the spontaneity. Also, the worst audiences are the fucking crew, the crew. standing around <laughs> yeah. going, oh, God, when, what time is the sandwiches coming? Yeah. Up? But yeah. it's weird. I think it really depends. I remember, I, I think when we made uh, Super Bob, I yeah. think we were incredibly lucky. And I remember it on, like, day two, when me and Catherine Tate were doing this scene, we were improvising, and I could see the sound guy, like, shaking. Oh, and, like, yeah. everyone was so into it. And, and that was, and I thought, oh, great, this is what it's like. And when I did Derek, everyone laughed at the time. That's great. And then I did a comedy job where it was silence while we're doing funny stuff. And then I looked over and, like, the crew was sort of, like, you know, leaning against the wall, just looking at their phones. And I was like, yeah. oh, you don't give a shit. It's a job. It's <laughs> yeah, a yeah. job. It's not pleasure. You haven't paid to come and see this brilliant show. <laughs> yeah, but we're doing funny over here, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although I sort of also hate live performing as well. Right. So I just don't think I'm... <laughs> Maybe it's not for, maybe it's not, it's not for me. The only reason I thought I had to do it was because I just thought, I've got to try this. I don't want to, you know, get old and bitter and go, I could have done this. Yeah. I could have done it better than they're doing it. Turns out I can't. It's fine. At least I checked. Yeah. So I tried it out. Yeah. But you're an excellent writer. Thank you. You've been working on many, many projects. Yes. And, uh... Yet to crack films, the movies, that's mm. where we all want to be. Yeah, it is, oh right? Oh, my God, the, just, the development seems to be endless uh, writing films. Can we talk about your... Do you want to talk about what? Tom? Tom, yeah. Can we? Yeah, Tom okay. Meaton, so my life partner. Oh, wow. Um, but Tom was there from the very beginning, um, from the inception, him and Steve Oram and Simon yeah. Farnaby and Katie Brown. Oh, wow. And Miranda Hart. Wow. And who else? Loads of people. Well, your boy Tom made a film. Tommy. Made Tommy Meaton. He's made a few. Well, with Steve Orham, he made... Ah! Uh, yes. And then, obviously, with Gareth Tunney, they made... made the, ghoul. the Ghoul. Which is excellent. And yeah. I feel he, he sort of produced it, did he, He Tom? produced it, yeah, yeah. I think that was you, the deal. Were you there, right? <laughs> Being it, if you, if you <laughs> help make this fucking thing for 10p. Yeah. So you were, the part, you were there for all of that? You know, I was there, and I remember it was some. It was the summer of 2014, right? And I think our child was conceived during that whole process. So not only was a film made, but a baby was made. Wow! And in fact, it was the same summer. I was also pregnant when I was in Ah, that tiny scene I'm in. In Maud is also in that in embryonic form. Wow. She's a child of the movies. Wow. <laughs> I really hope she doesn't pursue it as a career. <laughs> she does something fucking sensible. Wow. That's yeah. great. So 2014 uh, was a very productive year. It's all yeah. been downhill. Since. You both had babies, you had Tom. Yeah. Well, I guess he had. I mean, he, I ca- think, he counts in the, <laughs> in the creation of your child. Yeah. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, good luck to him. <laughs> uh, that's interesting. Yes, Tom Meaton of the Ghoul. But you want to make films. That's the dream. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I... Lots of people like come you. on this and go, yeah, it's just TV. And I'm like, no, it's always film, isn't it? That's well, I was always, uh, you know, probably like you, uh, obsessed with films. I don't know. No, they were sort of forced upon me, basically, by my mother and my brother. But films, films, it was always film. Like, that was the thing yeah. that you get excited about, being on TV. Because we never really went to the cinema, but we always, when there was something on TV, it was like, quick, there's a film, there's a film. Everyone, everything must stop for the oh, film. Great. It was the movie, it was the magic of the movie. I don't know, I still get excited going, well, especially going to the cinema. Do you it's still a go? different sort of experience. It's yeah. totally immersive. You're in it and you dedicate your entire time and attention to it you don't just bob in and out like you do with tv for whatever reason yeah it doesn't seem as disposable it's like a true commitment it's I, the one compared to the many sort of flings on the side i agree i have a sort of issue as much as i like i'm pleased that netflix are putting money into like films different films and stuff i'm really sad about like i don't like like the ballad of buster scruggs which is the new coen brothers film oh yeah yeah is on Netflix now. Right, right. But luckily I found, like, one screening of it at the cinema and I went to see it. It's like, it's a fucking cinema film. Yeah, it's a yeah. Watch two and a half hour, like, beautiful, massive, visual epic. Yeah. I thought, I don't want to watch this on my telly. It's it, funny, it isn't it? I don't be know, because same. it's so... I guess because everything's so accessible. Mm. But when films did come on TV, and there were a lot more of them on... on I'm talking about old days TV, like yeah. proper terrestrial. When they came on, it was, it was a treat. It was special. And that's why you wouldn't... Like, there were a lot of films that you couldn't see because they weren't sort of repeated on... T- I don't mm. know why. It was, and it was always the war films that were always on, like The Guns yeah. of Navarro. You'd <laughs> be like, oh, great, there it is again. Yeah. Or Gigi every New Year. Yeah. I don't know. There was something about... It was like a, a sort of... It kind of punctuated the day or, or somehow it was like a big deal when the, yeah. the movie was on. And I don't know, its own special logo in the, in the uh, radio yeah. times. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Celluloid to go, oh, the, yeah. the film, the film. But now, yeah, as you say, you go on Netflix and you go, I don't know what's a film, what's a series and what's what. Mm. It's all sort of blurred into one big kind of blamange of entertainment. And I know, I don't know, it's expensive to go to the cinema. Like, I get that yeah. it's like, it's a proper thing. But I do like the event of it. Yeah. Rather than just, oh, just have, have a little, try this. Like, I like the... Yeah. Ritual of it, yeah. and it with now sat here. We're going to turn a lamp and turn everything off. And... Velvet, yeah, plush. Chair. We're in church now. That's how I think yeah. of it. I remember. <laughs> this is how old I am. Go on. The, uh, the the Notting Hill Coronet was the last cinema in London where you could still smoke. Oh wow! <laughs> I remember going before wow. the man and having a fag during That's a film great. and watching a film through the haze of smoke. And that was great, Wicked. and it was a proper flea pit as well, so, you know, your yeah. chair would be a bit kind of... Do you remember the film you were smoking in? Something like The Matrix, probably. Oh, wow. Is Something that... like that, yeah, it was that long ago. When was the smoking ban coming? 97? 90... No, later. No, later. 2007. Yeah. Yeah. We weren't up for it, and then it happened, and everyone went, oh, fair enough. Well, Makes this is nice. Stuff. Next morning, I don't yeah. fucking stink of fags. Um, anyway, oh. I digress. Barunka, mm-hmm. I've forgotten to tell you. What? I should have told you when you got here. Yeah. Oh, God, it's really bad that I haven't told you. I don't know how you're going to take it. Oh. Listen, you may even be relieved. What do I know? Um, Are you acting? I should have told you this up front. Fuck. Oh, God. How am I going to put this? 
Oh, I'm really sorry. Look, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but uh, you've died. You died. You are acting. This is brilliant. <laughs> this is the best acting I've ever seen. Oh, no, I'm dead. Yeah. How did you oh, die? About time. How did you die? By my own hand. Did you? It's the best way to go. Go on. You're in charge. You're ready. You worked it all out. You've got all your affairs sorted. Yeah. It's time to go. So you sort of signed all your stuff I've done it. I did it all sorted out. All the admin. Um, all my passwords written out for right. Tom, so he knows what's what. God. Just put out all my bank cards so he knows which <laughs> amount I've squirreled away where. <laughs> where all his socks are. Yeah. But he knows where his socks are. Um, and, then, and then I sort of jumped off a, an Alp. An Alp? Yeah, it's the best way oh, to wow. go. Just what, went up the Alps, one of them, an one, Alp. Yeah. Found a long drop. Yeah. We get to the top. We're at the top. I think it's quite hard to jump up and out. Well, you have, you have to, to go it. to find a little path because it's quite right. easy to fall down a ravine. It happens remarkably often. How uh, people uh, often think it's an accident. So you know, it's open to interpretation. Okay. Those left behind can go. Oh, she fell doing her favourite thing. Okay, oh, right. in the Alps. But but what Tom might be like, go, she did leave oh, a little password. <laughs> you kept saying you were going to do yourself in. Now you've finally done it. <laughs> For fuck's sake! Right. Oh, thank God. Now we can all move on. <laughs> My only question is, yeah. it could take you a while to get to the Alps from here. Yeah. Where have you told Tom you're off to for the weekend? Like, the Alps. Oh, I've just, I'm off to the Alps. <laughs> yeah. And he's gone, for a holiday? Yeah, just a weekend away. With friends? You no. Said? Okay. My own. I did it on my 40th as well. So, it's, you know, it's a thing that, that one can do. You jumped off the Alps on your 40th. Oh, no, I went to the Alps. I didn't jump. On your own? Yeah, yeah. Please, can you tell me more? I went to think about things. The best place to think about everything is on top of a mountain. Really? Ah, yeah. You get get a good sense of perspective of life. You go, come on, we're pee, as Juliet Cowan described it, you're a pee on a mountain. And that's the most, you'd think it'd be terrifying. You go, I'm nothing. But actually, it's the most reassuring sense of nothing. So you go, look at this, look at this extraordinary mountain range. You know, when you get to right to the top and you look across the whole lot of them. Mm. And you go, this is, I'm nothing, this is all here. It's going to be here for yeah. eternity in one way or another. So, who am I kidding? <laughs> I do that with the sea. I swim very far out to sea right. and then just look around and go, this is, it's all, it's beautiful and none of it matters. Yeah, I find the sea too terrifying. Love it. Yeah, so... so, what I, did, so when you went up when you were 40... Yeah. Did you then go, was it very clear what you wanted to do after that, like, with your life and with everything? Did it work? Yes, I think so. It was when I was thinking I'd like to have a child and um, and I'd sort of, I'd worked out certain things. I thought, right, I can do it on my own, that's fine. And then yeah. I'd also mentioned to Tom that he could provide some sperm if he wanted. Right. <laughs> so that was up That was up for grabs. Okay. I'm and going up the abs. You yeah, want to leave yeah, some yeah. sperm somewhere in the drawer? <laughs> <laughs> next to my credit cards and passwords. It was like a... I don't know, yeah, I was sort of expecting something. Unfortunately, I went to a bit of the Alps that was incredibly busy because mm. my birthday's in August and it's very popular, the Alps, um, especially the Swiss Alps, which are my favourite. Right. And, um, and then, uh, so it was just full of quite odd people trying to strike up conversations and I got a sense that being on my own was somehow still not acceptable, even at 40. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, really odd. Oh, it's probably my own paranoia. I was also quite ill. I suddenly got flu. Anyway, and then when I came back, I had a nice email from Tom and that's kind of where it all started that we might actually manage to reproduce. There's some sperm in the mail. There's some sperm in my penis waiting. 
to be introduced <laughs> to your wagina. Uh, but we have to do it properly, not just, you know, it's nice, that. arrangement. So that, that really... So I think it clarifies. And that was on your birthday? On your 40th birthday you went to see yeah, us? Yeah, on my when 40th. You... Wow. Everyone's like, what you can do? You can have a party. Yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> on my own, up and out, <laughs> sweating, looking at the north face of the eiger. Oh, going, oh God, I wish I'd brought some paracetamol. <laughs> Oh. Wow, that's really fascinating. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, it's a place to go. Anyway, so that's where I chose to end my life also. So it's where you chose to start your life and where you chose to end it. I like that. You're very much in control of this. I think it's a very noble way to go. I think there's sort of misconception about, about suicide. It's like, oh, because it's, you know, maybe it's a bit bleak for the people left behind. But for the person mm. doing it, you know, for one brief moment in their life, they have total control over everything. And it's a blessed relief in most cases, I think, which is why you want to do it in the first place. So at this point, I'm aware I'm definitely going to have to add more trigger warnings to this episode. Uh, no, that's an interesting uh, take on it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in Roman times, it was the noble way to go. Oh, right, yeah. Get a choice. Harakiri is the yes. noble way to go. For some extreme yeah. uh, Japanese military <laughs> figures. If I were Tom listening to this, I'd be like, she's n- right, anytime she says she's going on holiday, I'm not letting her. No, I think it'll be encouraging me to, <laughs> to Switzerland. Um, That's why I think Dignitas is tremendous. Oh, yeah. I'm pro Dignitas. Yeah. We should all have access to that. Yeah. Looks like a nice place. <laughs> well, it, I saw that documentary. Yeah. Did you see it? Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Easy. You know, the best bit about that documentary, and I thought it was actually sort of really profound, is that when, in the documentary, we followed a couple going to Dignitas, and the man was going to end his life. And they, the morning of his, he's going to die now. Yeah. They're sort of sat around the table, and they're just talking about tea, and just discussing how he's going to have his tea. You want it with the milk? And it's like just that chat. Just with the milk? Bit yeah, of milk? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll have a bit of milk. Yeah, a bit of Nothing ever gets profound. Doesn't even have sugar, even though like, oh, I don't want to put on weight. It's like it got long, mate. (laughs) It's just like have a a bit of milk, and then he has his tea, and then he has his drink. I mean, it's very moving. And anyway, that's it. Yeah. Do you think there's an afterlife? Oh, hang on. Do you worry about death? Oh no, clearly not. (laughs) Yeah, no, not bothered by it. Not scared of it. Doesn't give you anxiety. No, I often imagine. I've often dreamt that I've died, and I often imagine. That kind of sudden, when it's a really unexpected sort of accidental death, yeah. that's kind of, oh, fuck, but I haven't, uh, and that. Oh, I can right. imagine that's that's a shocker. I didn't leave my passwords. Uh, but the actual act of it and the, the act of disappearance yeah. doesn't really bother me, I don't think. When you I say you dream of like being... If I disappeared before Maud had grown up, or mm. I'd really got to know me because I'm quite special. Yeah. I, speak, I presume I am a bit special to her. <laughs> I, I hope, hope so. so. Yeah, she seems to like you. Yeah, I hope so. Anyway, so that that would be a shame. But otherwise, you go. It's it's, it's sort of fair enough, isn't it? When you say you dream of being dead, yeah, you, what like you dream of dying, or you dream, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm dead. Yeah, dream of dying. And fully. Often. What do you mean? Give well, me I have lots of persecution dreams, usually involving aliens or Nazis, and they're usually after me, or I'm sort of about to get discovered somewhere yeah. or other, you know. I'm always quite a valiant, you know, hero of my own <laughs> narrative where I'm saving someone or, or myself, usually. And then often I'll get, like, pushed off a thing or, or, or shot. I've been shot a few times. And do you wake up at the moment of the thing? 
Uh, a couple of times I've I've gone through to the other side. What happens? I thought you, I thought if you die in a dream, you die. That's the rule. No, isn't it? If you fall off a thing and you hit the floor. Uh, but I've hit the floor a few yeah. times. I didn't die. Well, unless, unless this is all the afterlife. What happened on the other side in your dream? It sort of carried on in a slightly different dream state. It just carried on, but obviously nothing ended, ended. No, I know what happened. I sort of, in my head, yeah. I carried on and then... And then I think it's at the moment of waking. So you go, it's like your brain then just sort of goes, okay, but there's nothing else now, so you have to wake up. Wow. So you sort of slip into the, the nether, oh, which, is, nothing. which is waking up, luckily, <laughs> to, wow. to this life. Do you think there's nothing when you die? I do. I think, I think there's a nice sort of recycling, which obviously all things are recycled, mm-hmm. but I don't know if, of any kind of... But then we can't conceive of it, so how are we to know or worry about it? As in, we can't conceive of this other sort of parallel existences or planes or universes. Hmm. So we have to sort of accept what is here and what isn't, don't we? Otherwise, I've never had any supernatural experiences or any sort of sense of okay. of, of other worlds or other lives. Interesting. So it's all bullshit. Well, guess what? It's not. <laughs> this isn't real. <laughs> I'm not here. <laughs> uh, I'm no. loads. Anyway, guess what? The thing is, there is an afterlife. Surprise! Uh, and it's in your flat. And uh, there's you. a heaven. And there's lo- it's great. It's great. You love it. And, and like you, they oh, they love film in heaven. They love it. Obsessed with it, I'd go so far as to say. And all they want to do is talk about your life, but through film. So the first thing they ask you is, what is the first film you remember seeing? I remember. I've done my homework, so this okay. is why it doesn't sound spontaneous. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Um, Good. Oh, let me think. Oh. So you could do a bit of acting now, if you like. I can do some acting. Let acting. me think. Mm, mm. <laughs> Picture the scene. It's, it's the 70s. Okay. In communist Czechoslovakia. Is it? Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm a small child, staying with my grandparents. Yeah. They're looking after me. It's all a bit of an effort for my mother, so she's palmed me off. Right. Uh, and there's a film on the television. It's a black and white film. Yeah. And it's called The Valley of the Bees. I don't know this at the time. Right. But we start watching it. Yeah. And it transpires. This is in no way an appropriate film for me to be watching. As the protagonist is swung around by his feet. And his head smashed against the wall. What? Uh, and he's only a small child. What? Uh, yeah. Anyway, is it a horror film? No, it's quite a brilliant film. But the, the only reason I know this is the first film I must have seen is because I'd then forgotten it, put it out of my head yeah. for my entire life until about, I think, three years ago, there was like a retrospective at the BFI. Mm-hmm. And it was the films of this Czech director called František Vláčil. And mm-hmm. he'd been sort of forgotten and then rediscovered, whatever. And I went to see this film called Valley of the Bees at the NFT. Yeah. And as I was watching it, I went, oh, my fucking God. Wow. And I had the weirdest flashback. I went, I know what's happening. I know what's going to happen. I know what's going to fucking happen. And the lead up to that scene is, is it's the sort of, it's his father, this young boy, it's set in medieval times. It's mm-hmm. this young boy's father is marrying his stepmother. So it's his, his wedding. And the boy brings a sort of gift for the stepmother. And it looks like a beautiful basket of white flowers. And she goes, oh, thank you. And... As she sort of touches the flowers, basically all these bats fly out of the bottom of the basket and it's like some sort of prank. And that's why his father is so enraged, he swings him round by his legs and smashes his head against the 
is the one. And kills it. Well, no. Uh And that's what then triggers the rest of the film and the story, and it's quite incredible. But when I was watching this in the... At the NFT, sitting there with my sort of chocolate peanuts, chocolate raisins, going... (laughs) I went, oh, my fucking God, this is that film, this is that film, I know this film. And it was a massive flashback to that time when I'd obviously started watching it and my grandmother freaked out and went, this is... We shouldn't be watching this, you shouldn't be watching this. And I remember the the injustice of thinking, I want to know what happens, like what happens to the kid that's had his brain smashed out on the wall. Anyway, I did find out what happened. Well, Some honestly, 30 years later. That's a really, really interesting. It, yeah. it was just you and your grandma? Yeah. Not your, you have a brother, right? Do you? Yes, yes, but he was... We always got sort of sent off separately. So my mother, who was raising us on her own... Right. She would do a stint with him and me separately. And yeah. one of us would get sent off to our grandparents. I we never got on, really, my brother and I, because we never spent you much never time. Her. And then when we were together, we would fight. But anyway, yeah. by the by... So, yes, I think that might technically be... The, well, that's the first film I remember. Great but I only remember it 30 years later. That's such a good answer. What Can you, you tell me what happens to the boy? Oh, it's good. It's great. It's um, basically because it's, it's set in medieval times. Mm. The father, who's obviously distraught that he smashed his bra- son's oh, brain... Oh, it's an accident. No, no, he did it on purpose oh. in an act of rage. Like, that, how dare you disrespect my new wife... Yeah. ...with your basket of bats. And uh, <laughs> so he... He's then re- he then regrets smashing his head against the wall and, say- and basically promises God, if you save my son, I will give him to the monks. You mm. know, I will give him up to you. And he sends him off when he's of age to to live with some Hessian monks, uh, Hessian knights who are like the sort of they're an order of holy knights. Right. So they're a bunch of celibate monks, all sort of boys together, living in a big castle. And he grows up there, and he's sort of sent away from his home and his father. When he comes of age, he comes back, and it's all about the he has a special friend who he lies on the beach with and it's like a kind of journey of uh, return of the prodigal son kind of okay. story. And But it's great and it's really moody, black and white, and minimal dialogue and very sort of... How long were you living in Crimea's Czechoslovakia? Uh, well, on and off. I went to school there for a year when I was six, seven. And then we just sort of used to go back every year and spend our summers there. And then when I was a kid, I guess, you know, every other year or something, I'd be there for a bit and wow. sort of half and half. Here and there? Here and there. London and there? Kingston up on Thames. Oh, yes, I know. Very well. Up on Thames and Prague. Wow. <laughs> yeah. What a life. But it was proper communist era. We so you were out. really going from different, like... Comrade teacher. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so fascinating. Have you seen uh, this new film, which is one of my films of the year, so that's absolute masterpiece, called Cold War? Yes, I have. Ah, yeah. I loved it so much. Yeah, yeah. And I found it very interesting, the, like, when they go from Paris yeah, to... Yeah. Bobbing back and forth. Yeah, and you go, fuck, it's a, the world is so less progressive. Regressive versus progressive. And much more restrictive. Yeah, and, yeah. And... Yeah. Uh, yeah, free versus... Yes, free versus... Imprisoned. Not and, free. Yeah. And uh, is, was it like that? Was the difference between going from Kingston to... Yeah, I mean, we were lucky because my mum left... She left it. There was a brief period just before the Soviet tanks were sort of sent into Czechoslovakia when you could leave legally mm-hmm. if you had a sponsor. So she got sponsored. She came over here as an au pair. Right. And she had three three goes, three visas, and then her last visa she would have had to return and never to come back again. And that's when she met my father and they got married just to sort of bail her out. And then that's why she stayed. So we were here, she was here legally, which meant that we 
she could A, retain her citizenship, yeah. and we got Czech citizenship as well. So right. we were born and in this country, but we could travel to and fro. Okay. Like, it was quite interesting, you could, because there was so much red tape, you could actually quite easily cut through it. My grandmother was very adept at bribing and not taking any shit from all the awful people who worked in all the, yeah. all those offices, all those bureaucrats that ran the kind of communist state. It was quite interesting. So, yeah, you could you could, could travel to and fro. We did, anyway. And, and yeah. so my uncle left illegally because he was in a jazz band. <laughs> a bit ah, like the character like, oh, well, in Cold yeah. War. So he left illegally by going on... They were allowed to go and represent, you know, the communist East and how progressive they were culturally and that they had jazz, too. Yeah. And so he went on tour to Switzerland and then never came back. But he didn't tell anyone he was, he was staying. So my grandmother, again, had to sort of pick up the pieces and wow. deal with all the state sort of all the kind of fallout of, of having a, a, a son that emigrated illegally. So yeah. she get in trouble for that? Yeah, yeah. So, they, but then again, she was quite, she was sort of quite bolshy, really, in a way. She just didn't, she did, she did, she wasn't scared of the authorities because they were mostly kind of bureaucrats, and it wasn't politically. None of us were politically sort of risky. Yeah. We weren't dissidents. We weren't very interesting politically. So, didn't. did you notice? Do you even remember this? I'm sorry to ask this, but I never met anyone with this story. It's fascinating. No. Do you, did you, um, as in the difference in that sort of regime, is that the word for yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So when you would go from school in Kingston to school in Czech, mm. was it like, oh, I have to behave, I'm being, I have to behave differently now? Yeah, or except I always it? had a sense of being, I was like the special kid from the West. Okay, yeah. So yeah. I had blue jeans. <laughs> I could also go back whenever I wanted, so I'd yeah. fuck off. So I, I had a, whatever sense of, some kind of smugness that obviously I'd inherited <laughs> from my mother and grandmother and the sense of, we can go whenever we want. Yeah. So, you know, we are free to travel, we're cool. Were other kids, like, jealous of you? I think maybe some of them... My brother had a worse time at school. I was lucky. I had lovely people in my class and my mm. teacher was very sweet. My brother had the worst comrade teacher who was a bitch and fucking hated him and resented his freedom yeah. and his Western ways and made his life a hell. So that's that was the difference. But, yeah, it, he was... He had a terrible time, whereas I had a great time. In fact, it just sort of changed my whole attitude to education because you don't start school till six over there oh, really? when you're actually ready and everything suddenly made sense. And you finish at 12 and you go home for lunch. And it was great. Actually, their education system was quite good, even though it was a bit sort of tainted by communism yeah. <laughs> and you were indoctrinated from the age of 10 in the you know history of what, Soviet era. That fi- was there a good big... I don't know enough about this. Was there a big film industry there? That was yeah, in the 60s. So the time my mother came over to England, it was 1967, it was this kind of great loosening up of... of um, so after the war was the hardcore Stalinist era yeah. and times were hard. And then in the 60s, this kind of obviously all over Europe, mm. everywhere there was this kind of incredible blossoming and freedom and joy and all this kind of kids born at the end of the war were like oh my god you know peace is great and wonderful and sex and in Czechoslovakia at the same time they were part of that wave they had a uh, a new wave a cinematic new wave so it's like people like Milos Forman and oh great um, and literary as well there was like Harabal and oh, what's his name Smish no ask it anyway whatever but there was yeah and Vlachil who's who directed this film the Valley of the Bees he was part of that movement and some of them emigrated obviously mm-hmm. Once the tanks had rolled in, and and others didn't, and there's it, the unbearable lightness of being. Yes, that. So yes. that's that's exactly that era when right. it's the cusp of of the joyous time, the sort of Prague yeah. Spring when everything was loosening up, and '68 is when it all shut down again, and that was it. So those who stayed would try and fight 
the system but never have the opportunity ever again mm. to express themselves. And those who left either succeeded in America or sort of fizzled out. But, yeah, it was a golden, golden time for, well, all of European cinema. Yeah. Have you, do you go back now? Uh, I went back this year to see my mother, who moved back there sort of like 15 years ago. But oh, she's a, a loon. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> she, she wouldn't mind me saying. OK. She's a loon. She's a case. But I'm not surprised she's a case. She, yeah. she was born... You know, during an air raid at the end of the Second World War, and then her youth was spent in Stalinist Czechoslovakia, being told that she wasn't part of the system, that she was better than the, you know, she's yeah. a totally, she was totally destroyed by the twentieth-century politics. Fascinating. Fascinating. What is the film that made you cry the most? Oh, funny. Yes. Do you know what? The only one I could think of was The English Patient. Oh, really? Okay. Because I out. never knowingly cry right. if I can help it. You know, I'm very much kind of keep it all in. Um, in life? In life and, and in, in film. film. <laughs> but actually watching that, I, can, I probably had a... I seem to record just probably having a good old howl. Really? But like Did it a proper, take, take you by surprise? Yeah, but like a sort of proper joyous howl. Like oh. um, our mutual friend Juliet Cowan. Yes. She regularly takes herself off to the cinema to have a good cry. Yeah. <laughs> she needs to vent and... I get she that. She finds it, it, it helps, whereas I, I can't do that. But this was a film that... But it was, such a, it was such a sort of healthy, cathartic crying because it was romance love, you know. Yeah. Oh, the woman he loved. The bag of bones. <laughs> anyway, and it was, it was properly, properly romantic. And also archaeologists, the war, all my favourite things. Oh, sexy stuff. Sexy Clavicles. stuff. Clavicles. What do you call this? <laughs> and rape finds. And, yeah. Kristen Scott Thomas hitting That's her head on a, on a scaffolding pole. Yeah, it was great. And you weren't uh, embarrassed of the crying? No, it felt like the right thing to do. But it doesn't happen often. No. Oh, no, 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 you no. cry no. when your baby was born? No, 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 no. <laughs> God, no. No. I cried the most I've ever cried when I was pregnant. I think that's because when you're pregnant, you have to sort of just... Everything, you let everything go. Right. <laughs> also, it's when I... Met my father and then he died a few months later. You met him for the first time? Well, met him for the first time, I think, since I'd been born. Right. So, yeah, it was a good time to be pregnant and crying a lot. And making the goal. (laughs) Making the goal. No, it was made by him. Yeah, I know. But films are great for... Do you meet your dad just once? What's that? Do you meet him once and then he died? Oh, no, like a few times. He got in touch. He was looking for my brother. Fucking brother. He wants to reconnect. Really, was he like, hi, Virgo, I hope this finds you out. Do you know where that yeah, boy yeah, is? Yeah, literally. Really? Actually. No way. Yeah, I got a call from a solicitor saying, hello, um, trying to get hold of your brother. Your father um, would uh, would like to leave him some money. She's no, joking. Does he want to meet me? Oh, I'm the keen God. one. Anyway, no. Was he like, oh, all right. Yeah, in. no, he had his reasons, of course. Anyway, but that's like a that's another story. Fascinating. I mean, what's a fascinating life you've led? Well, um, it's a long life, isn't it? It's a long life. Turns out I've been around for a while. <laughs> Forty. She was at the Alps, deciding to continue. 
something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Um, what is the film that scared you the most? Um, well, I've never been able to watch any sort of supernatural horrors. and Why is that? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's well, generally sort of quite a, quite scared of the dark sort of person. Oh, yeah. Scared of, well, not now I don't think, but certainly sort of scared of the supernatural when I was a kid. And I remember my friend, my best friend at school, Claire Bartlett, mm-hmm. had absolutely no fit, like in that real kind of 80s horror Loved it all, couldn't get enough of yeah. horror and ghosts and people putting crucifixes up places, you know. I yeah. mean, she loved all that. And once she told me the plot of A Nightmare on Elm Street when we were at school oh, wow. and I was petrified because she just told me the plot. And then once she made me watch Poltergeist mm. on her Betamax wow. recorder and I, and I couldn't say no. <laughs> I don't yeah. know why because I was very easily... Sort of bullied by her, I think. But what I did instead was watch the whole film with my eyes fuzzed out, <laughs> looking above the television. Like you were looking at a magic eye painting. Yeah. So I had to defocus my eyes for the entire film and make many excuses to go to the loo and, and look above the TV. But obviously I heard it mm. and that was enough. It's scary was radio play. Horrific. Horrific, horrific. How film. old were you? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, I've been about... Been about 12, 12-ish, okay. yeah. But, yeah, she was into all that. And that was, like, the last time you watched a horror? Yeah, I've never... Oh, and then once when I was in, in Thailand, mm. I'd been travelling, uh, and then I'd, I was on my own in Bangkok for a couple of nights before going home, and um, I was on the Khao San Road, <laughs> and I went for a curry, and they were only showing The Exorcist. <laughs> in the restaurant? <laughs> in the restaurant. Wicked. Fortunately, with the sound off. 
Yeah, but it was set. right in front of me. I couldn't avoid the visuals. So you had a nice meal whilst watching a child <sighs> screen. Yeah, curry while seeing that going on. But actually, it was that was all right. Yeah. It's yeah. It's the combined, isn't it? It's the combined sound, and I'm sure there's more in the sound that's more yeah. terrifying than the visual. I think so. Yeah, I don't know why. I was. I, I haven't even tried to watch one recently. I'd probably be all right now, but. I don't even really. Sometimes I question it. I love. I love it. You love. Love it. What the horrors? Love the horrors. supernatural. Yeah, love the those ones. I, well, I don't. I don't like people being hurt. Oh. I don't like people being like cut up. Oh, I horrors. don't mind that at all. Really? Yeah. I hate people being hurt. It's not for me. But I like creepy. ghosts and creepy, creepy. Yeah. They're here. Yeah, I like that sort of shit. Yeah, silly, isn't it? I remember seeing, I'll tell you what I do remember seeing is, the, is American Psycho. Yes. Again at the Clapham Picture House. And um, the funniest bit was when, when, you know when he kills a homeless person? Mm. Well, I remember watching it in the cinema and he killed a homeless person and everyone just sort of watched it. And then he, I think he killed the dog afterwards and everyone went, oh no, the dog. And I remember seeing dog in a film. You kill a dog, you... Kill a dog, that's it. People will never forgive you. The homeless? Yeah. You can kill a kid before you can kill a dog. Yeah. That's the rules in film. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or even kick a dog. Kill a man. Kill a child Nothing. Kick a kill dog. a woman. Eh, we care a bit. Kill a child. Naughty. Naughty. Kill a dog. I'm not... Oh, this is disgusting. Turn this filth off. Hop <laughs> in the seats. Get yeah. out. Okay, good answer. You were scared by the PG film Poltergeist. It's what? not a PG, is yeah, it? Yeah, we've... <clears throat> Come on. We have talked about this on the podcast before, I'm afraid. But it is... It was rated a PG. I believe it's been re-rated now as 12. 12 to 15, but when it first came out, it was a PG. Spielberg produced it. Everyone was like, it's a kid's film, right? A family film. Got kids in it? Got kids in it. And clowns. <sighs> and trees. <sighs> Scary tellies. Anyway, what is the film? That you used to love. One of your favourite, you used to love this film. And then you've watched it recently and you've gone, oh dear, this does not hold up. I've very much changed my mind on this film. Yeah, I was trying to think. Basically, if I can count all the films of Peter Greenaway. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great, great answer. When I was a a pretentious teenager before I became a pretentious adult, I was like, wow, this is brilliant, this is genius. I think I tried to watch one again recently. I was like, oh my God, this is... Unbearable. Unwatchable. That's such a perfect answer. (laughs) Yeah. They still look nice, but, oh, you go, what way are you going with this? Pretentious. I don't know if it's because I've become more (laughs) narrow-minded and more conservative and just generally expect a far straighter narrative than I I had a much more kind of open Mm. sort of yes and attitude that's slowly sort of fizzled as I got older. But, yeah, I can't, you can't sit through them. Well, to be fair, look, before I... <laughs> dismiss the entire... Yeah, I haven't watched one for a long time, but when I, when I think about it, my guess is, and this is not having checked it out recently, is that they, they were very sort of visual, but, but in a sort of way, like the definition of pretentious, which I guess is showing off being clever, but with no yeah. real... Unfathomable. Yeah, no real reason for it. <laughs> yeah. So unlike... I don't know, like David Lynch, I'm obsessed with it. I love him. He can do no wrong, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. You, you, he can do some weird stuff, but it feels like it's rooted in some choice and his uh, heart and his brain. Whereas I think with Peter Greenaway, sometimes it's like, he's done some colours over here. 
Why? Did, why? Don't know. Just put some colours over there because it looks fancy. Yeah. Yeah. What is it? It's like a kind of. And it sort of feels a bit easy, doesn't it, or something? Or or. Or just fe- it feels like. Look how clever I am. Yeah. That's I think that's why it appeals to a sort of teenager who yeah. has aspirations, <laughs> some yeah. sort of creative aspirations. You go, oh, God, that's so clever. Oh, look. And is it drowning by numbers? But you go, oh, I can mm. spot the number there, and there's a number there. You know, yeah. you, go, you kind of get off on that a bit. Or Belly of an Architect, I think, was the one I absolutely loved, which I haven't. When he won in The Cook, The Thief, is Rather Than A Lover, which Yes, all right, won... that was the sort of slightly breakthrough one that I was actually... He won the Palme d'Or, won a bigger wood. Yeah. And that was all the different colour every... Room was a different shade of yeah, green yeah. and red. And well, it's a bit like watching Shallow Grave again, or or even Train Spotting, where you go, oh, <laughs> God. Well, I, I think mean, they, they held up. Yeah, but, but the, the, I think the problem with Train Spotting or Shallow Grave, there is a problem, and I don't think there is actually. Oh. But if there is, mm-hmm. I think it's that they've been so copied over reference. Yeah, that yeah. you watch them now, like this feels done, but yeah, it was yeah. exciting and original. And, yeah, it was. Whereas no, I, I don't. I don't count them as not standing up, but I count them as the sort of things you got very excited about when you were younger, yeah. and then you feel a bit sort of like mm. jaded about. <laughs> yeah. Now. Interesting. I mean, great answer. One of the best answers we've had. Really? Do I win a prize? You might do. We'll <laughs> the see. box set entire works. Of <laughs> yeah, Peter Green. Peter Green. <laughs> Take. Go back and reconsider. <laughs> Try again. Okay. Um, <laughs> what is the film? that critically and sort of generally people go, this film's shit, but you're like, no way, my friends, this one is brilliant, and you stand by it. Live and let die. Oh, great. <laughs> Part of the, the James Bond herb. I mean, it's great. The voodoo one. Yes. Great tune. Because nowadays you probably, mm. you know, it looks very dated. It's probably problematic. Very dated, very problematic. But it's brilliant, partly because of the opening sequence. Do you remember in... in um, set in New Orleans. It's a funeral, right? It's a funeral. Yeah. Yeah, it goes from a funeral to a sort of joyful... Do you remember? They kill... It's they a kill, funeral in yeah. an empty coffin, very sad, walking through the street. <laughs> a man is knifed. Yeah. Uh, it's probably Felix Leiter. It's always Felix Leiter. Bloody Felix. Bloody Felix. <laughs> and then he's popped in the coffin. Yeah. And then he... And it goes on like that with all the sort of black cultural stereotypes you could yeah. possibly want in in the space of one film. Voodoo, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. 70s pimp outfits, the works. But it is fantastic. And it's, I remember seeing it as a kid. And my brother was particularly obsessed, obviously, with James Bond films because he was a boy. <laughs> Sexist. No, he made me watch all of them, which, I, you know, again, I enjoy. Um, but that one that sort of, yeah, it shouldn't. I mean, Bond films are generally trash until, obviously, you know, Sam Mendes got involved yeah. and tried to make them art house proper films. But, you know, Roger Moore's a joke. Love him. <sighs> Great. Love him. I mean, they are terrible. But that is, that's my guilty pleasure, I suppose. You go, wow, I really enjoy watching it. That's a great again answer. Again and again. And it looks, you know, it looks tremendous. It just does tap into that kind of tourist brochure vi- vision yeah. of, <laughs> of the Caribbean. Yeah. Uh, that's a good Jane answer. Jane Seymour. Jane Seymour. Tarot. Yeah. Sex. It's got a lot, mate. A bus. <laughs> Chase. Is it the best song? And it's the best song mm. by Paul McCartney yeah. and his... And his wings. R.I.P. wife. 
I think it's the best one. Is it the best one? Is it the best Bond? Best Bond song? So, Never yeah. let die. It's like, it's got that weird change of... Mm. It's about like three songs in one. And then it goes reggae. Yeah. I can't sing, by the way. I don't know if you know. It's good. And then was, what's the third bit of it? When you were young, then it's like a ballad. was an open That's it. Yeah. It is the best. Yeah, I think it is the best. That and Goldfinger. Yeah. Uh, okay, great answer. Now, uh, this is my favourite question. Yeah. What is the film that meant the most to you? Not because necessarily the film's any good, the film might be average, but because of the story around seeing the film, that you'll always remember that film because of the event. Okay. Well, the reason I remembered this was because I was trying to remember the first film I ever saw, okay. which I thought was this, until I remembered the one I saw before that, yeah. and I had to check the dates. In uh, 1980, yeah. <laughs> in 1980, my family and I, uh, me and my family, my mother, my aunt, my brother and I went from, we got a ferry from Hamburg to Harwich, which is like a 24-hour journey by ferry. I think I'm sorry, like, where is Harwich? Oh, sorry, Hamburg is in the north of Germany, and Harwich is in sort of... I think East Anglia, oh, okay. just above East Anglia. Oh, it's in England. Okay. In England. Right. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if the if the ferry service still runs. Okay. But it was one way of getting from mainland Europe to England. Right. If you had a car. Anyway, it was a twenty-four hour journey, and on board the ferry there was a cinema, and it was nineteen eighty, and they were showing the film Ten. Oh. Wow. Starring. <laughs> Dudley Moore and Bo Derrick. Yeah. And, um, and my mother thought it was appropriate for me as a six-year-old to go and watch Ten. Wow. <laughs> With her and my auntie Yuta and my brother. And because it was 1980, they were also wearing um, white, tight white jeans. I mean, okay. that, was, that was the thing. Mm-hmm. And so off we went to, to the cinema on the ferry to watch Ten, in which there is a lot of graphic sex. There is a, a man entering a woman from behind whilst she's playing pool, for example, mm. um, which I think might have gone over my head at the time, but it certainly wasn't really what you should be watching at that age. Anyway. I'm surprised it was on the ferry, to be fair. I don't know, yeah. They, they used to show some weird old films on the ferry. Go and I'm seeing Total Recall on a ferry once <laughs> as well, which was perfect because there's a sort of boat rock. Yeah, of, made sense. Yeah, there was something about the action that matched the... It was like a 4DX screen. Really. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Anyway, so there we were, and, and we were watching Ten, and uh, I never did get to see the end of it because <laughs> we all suddenly had to leave. And I was like, why do we have to leave? Well, I was watching the film with the funny little man running on the beach. I want to know if that man wins the game of pool. <laughs> I, I really hope Dudley Moore gets Bo. Yeah. <laughs> why wouldn't he? He's so funny and insane. It more than makes up for his lack of physical stature. <laughs> um, and she's got a cracking set of boobs. Mm. Um, anyway, we had to leave early because basically, and I didn't really know what was going on, but um, my mother had some sort of incident and she had to wear a jump around her waist. And, and it was explained to me that she'd sat, somebody had spilled some wine and she'd sat in it. Basically, she'd got her period. Oh, wow. <laughs> in her white jeans. I see Spray on white jeans. This is a perfect storm as shit happening. And we had, to, we had to leave the cinema on the ferry. So you weren't leaving the cinema because of the content of the film, you were leaving it because your mum... Because my mum had started her period. Oh, boy. So that was quite weird. Yeah. That sort of stuck out in my memory as a sort of strange film experience. Do you know what happens at the end of 10? Have you ever seen it? No. No. One day. Do you? What happens? 
they all die <laughs> in a tidal way. Ten is one of those films. Actually, I realise I think is the same sort of story as the woman in red in a way. In that it's a sort of midlife crisis movie about a man who has a girlfriend or a wife who becomes obsessed with this beautiful woman. Yeah, yeah. And in the end of Ten, he finally like gets with her. And she sort of gets interested and sort of waits in bed for him. And suddenly he sort of realises, oh, this isn't... He can't This is it. a fantasy. Like, you're, like she's actually... I, think, I can't remember quite what it is. It may even be like he sort of doesn't like the fact that she's about to cheat on her husband. He didn't realise she was married or something. He sort of goes like, oh. And in his head it's actually, like... She's my friend. I can't do this. She's a, re- she's a real person. It isn't a fantasy that I've been imagining. And oh. oh, so it's a decent of, ending. In a way, Ish. it's sort of like, oh, I do love my, I do love Julie Andrews. Julie Andrews. But what's always, I find fascinating about it, it's directed by Julie Andrews' husband, Blake Edwards. Who's also Bo Derek. No, Derek's he didn't marry Bo Derek. Didn't he? No, he was married to Julie Andrews. But, I, but the film is basically about a middle-aged married man obsessed with Bo Derek who ends up going, I love you, Julie Andrews. Strange old business. Yeah. Mm. Mocky. Did he do the... Mucky. Uh, Mucky. Mucky boy. Mucky. Did he, he do, do the, do pink, the pink Panther? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, then he made a, a film... strong misogynist streak through all those sort of terrible 70s... Yeah, they made a film called S.O.B. Yes, she gets her where boobs she gets out. Her boobs, yeah, who, and maybe where he went, all she right, you get your boobs out. She was trying to change her image, wasn't she? Yeah. She was trying to shed the Mary Poppins. Mm. Didn't work. Because it's some people you just don't want that for. You don't want <laughs> to see, ma- see Mary. I don't want to see... Um, I'm not saying Mary Poppins can't Maria be a sexual being. Maria from Traps, tits. Yeah. <laughs> just, just some people, like... <laughs> I mean, just do what you like. Who are we to say, but... Keep them in. Keep them in, Keep Mary. them in, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> you're, a, you're a perfect nanny. Come on. <laughs> um, anyway, okay. interesting, great answers. Right answer so yeah. far. What is the film, Barin Crescione, yes. that you found the sexiest? <laughs> so many sexy films. Bees of um, the Valley, Valley of the Bees. <laughs> Valley of the Bees, yeah. Uh, no, I tell you what. I mean, I sort of thought of lots of vampire films because they're all quite sexy. Yeah. But <clears> then <throat> there's a film called uh, La Reine Margot. Yeah. Which I saw when I was at university. I know that film. Which, in many ways, was when I first realised that sex can be pleasurable oh, <laughs> and nice. enjoyable with someone you love. Oh, great. Not that Laren Margot is in any way like that. No. But what was great about it was it was just so dirty and grubby. And it was the first time I'd seen sort of a historical epic, mm. but shot in a very kind of real, grubby, visceral way. Like yeah. everyone is sweating and dirty. And she goes out looking for sex out on the streets and finds this extraordinary sex pot, which I think is Christophe Lambert, isn't it? Yeah, it sounds right. Who is Christophe Lambert? Yeah, he's a, <laughs> it's not day. him, it's Gerard. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's not Gerard. <laughs> oh, my God, but Gerard. I mean, there's yeah. another story, sexy films. But, yeah, it is La Reine Margot, and it is, it's so sort of... Everything is played at this kind of slightly... I mean, no, totally manic, crazy sort of urgent state and obviously because they are kings and queens of Europe mm. and there's a massacre going on around them and yeah. she's fucking a guy in an alley and then everyone's fucking each other and then they're poisoning each other with dresses and 
it's extraordinary. It's just like, it just, it's a whirlwind of, of the senses. But it is, it was, yeah. yeah, so I remember seeing that and going, oh, wow. Did you see it with the, the man who you loved and, and taught you that sex wasn't horrible? No. I, mean, I, I don't mean taught you, but you had the experience. It was, it was, yeah, he didn't teach me anything. Um, I've was... t- I showed him. <laughs> I did show him. I showed him yeah. a bit. <laughs> No, I just associate it with that time, the university time when everything is kind of exciting and new and fresh and and then there's this kind of take on on an old, very old history story and you go, wow, this is probably what it was like. It's probably the most historically accurate, mm. um, very sexy, probably because it's French as well. Yeah, that They're helps, always good it? at that. Yeah. They're good at the sex. I wonder if they do, though. <laughs> it's probably quite a lot of pressure if you're French. <laughs> yeah. You go Come elsewhere and everyone's blow going, my mind. Here, here they are. Uh. Yeah, fucking hell. <laughs> and they are there. just been nervous. Uh, what is... Um... Speaking of... Sorry, yeah, I, just remember, I don't know if you've seen this or whether I imagined this whole thing, but years ago on Channel 4, they used to do these brilliant seasons of, of, of foreign films, basically. Mm-hmm. The only way you could get to see most of them if you didn't have access to a cinema which you didn't as a child Um, and it was a series of it was a season of of Gérard Depardieu films and one of them was a film called Les Chiens The Dogs have I made this up have you seen this go on basically (laughs) it's a very odd kind of cheap quite shoddily thrown together film but the the gist is that he's he's kind of having a relationship with his dogs yes he's a bit of a dog fucker in it that is Pretty that sure. is real. I believe I I, I There's a very sort of romantic it. scene of him sort of gambling around in the water with with his yeah. Alsatian, his favourite Alsatian. Did I make that up? No. Okay, good. The subcategory of this question may yeah. suit that uh, is a uh, travelling boners worrying wide-ons. Oh yeah. And there's a, a, a film that you found sexy or were aroused by, and you thought, oh, I don't think I should. I think this might be wrong. Yeah, I think that's hard on me to answer because I don't because there is no. Get around. I mean, romance is one thing. Yeah. But what was quite, I would say, breaking the waves. Oh, wow. Is it, okay. I know, I'm supposed, I mean, it is, that's the right sort of, Yeah. it's what they're exploring, isn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. but it is quite weirdly, perversely a turn on. It's, I guess it's a sort of, it's that, it's a sexual fantasy that isn't possible. And you go, well, how can you imagine, how can you be turned on by something that is grotesque and you wouldn't possibly ever want to experience or imagine? So how's that? But there it is. In Great the flesh, answer. in the filmic flesh. <laughs> Great answer. I mean, you're really good at this. Thanks. What's the greatest film of all time, objectively? Aliens come, they go, what cinema? Might not be your favourite film, you go, oh, it's this one. Well, again, it would be, it was one that was voted the best. And I was like, oh, really? And I watched it and you go, oh, OK. It's called <laughs> Marqueta Lazarova. It's the same guy who directed Valley of the Bees. Oh, yeah, okay. And it's, I guess because it's, it looks incredible, it's set again in medieval times, mm-hmm. but like visually the attention to detail, yeah, it's, it's that sort of, it's that kind of, yeah, forensic, bit like, was it Visconti who used to, even all the drawers in, on his yeah. sets had to be filled with like period props and everything had to be ac- absolutely accurate. So that, and then it looks incredible because it's black and white. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking ten, you know, the woods of Bohemia and, and, and it's all kind of, and it's brutal and it's horrific and it's, I know, it's like subject matter that, that you don't really see that often. 
And it's a family story, but it's a historical story. And it's like, I don't know, it ticks lots of boxes. I presume that's why it got voted the best. You maybe have, it was uh, just people going, oh, have you heard of this film yeah, that nobody else has heard of? Yeah, OK. Is you that the greatest that. film of all time? I mean, you've put Don't Look Now, which is also incredible. Yeah. I'll never forget the first time I saw it. Oh, my God. Oh my I was days. not expecting that. Oh That's fucking days. amazing. That's yeah. a horror film I accidentally watched. I wouldn't have watched yeah. it if I'd known. I would never have sat through that. I mean, that scared the shit out of me. It's got everything there, that film. Oh, really everything. Everything. Sad, moving, funny, scary, <laughs> Sullivan, profound. Christy, real Married. sex, porn, snuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they did the laugh. <laughs> Colours. Colours. Venice. Venice. Supernatural. Mm-hmm. Love. Love. It's about love. Disability. Outsiders. Yeah. Death. And uh, has a has a family. A woman who they just who is just sort of a bit scary. Okay, she told you. She's the scary woman. Oh my god. Just a slightly lovely but also scary woman. She's laughing. <laughs> She's there and she's laughing. Oh, God. Oh, wow. <laughs> scared myself. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. It's too good. Uh, what oh, is... Don't say that. Don't look now. OK, great. That is <laughs> what is the film you, mo- you most relate to? Could be character, could be mood, could be story. Well, I love, I love stories of sort of self-loathing <laughs> and self-destruction and kind of, <clears throat> like you know, hermit sort of stories. And there's a few that kind of have cropped up over the years that I go, oh, wow. And I don't think I am like that, but I think I would aspire to be like that. Right. And in another age, perhaps I would make a really good hermit slash anchorite. Probably not. Um, What's an anchorite? They're the ones that lock themselves up in tiny cells for the love of Christ. Oh, right. And they okay. sacrifice their freedom and life to sit in silent contemplation. Okay. Of a made-up god. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Fucking stupid. Attention seekers, we call them now. Massive attention seekers. <laughs> but only the only way out for some sort of poor peasant. Yeah. Who otherwise would just sort of, you know, die of starvation. At least they get fed. There's a brilliant film called... Mm-hmm. It's a few like this. There's one called The Diary of a Country Priest. Yes. Which is... Wrestle. Yeah. That kind of slow wearing away of the physical. Mm-hmm. And there's a very similar one called Audet. Yeah, what's Audet? It's a Danish film where it's about a guy who has gone mad studying Kierkegaard. Yeah. <laughs> he thinks he's Christ, basically. And he, like, raises a child from the dead. And it's it's Danish. But, again, mm-hmm. it's that extraordinary black and white. And it's set on the coast of Denmark. And it just looks phenomenal. And it's sort of peasants... And their extreme form of religion and and salvation and but it's great, right? And that's a similar sort of so delusional self flagellation. Um, what else? Oh, that was the other one that I just remembered was um, uh, Simeon's Thylites. Have you ever seen that? I think it was who's the who's the surrealist director who did like. Buñuel. Buñuel. I think yes. it was him. Anyway, it was one of these things that I caught. You know when Film 4 started and mm. it was it was like, you know, properly weird films that yeah. you'd never seen before. And then one night, I think about midnight, I was really drunk, came home, turned on the TV, and there was this bizarre film about Simeon Stylite, a saint who dedicated his life, again, you know, thrown his life away for Christ, for a made-up 
human construct by living at the top of a very tall column in the oh, Syrian yeah. desert. And But while he was there, he sort of attracted this huge following and it became a huge sanctuary, so it wasn't quite what he'd intended. Yeah. But, but this film was great and it was all That's bad. That's a true story of that. that is, uh, yes, I visited the spot. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, he's literally just sat on top of a column. He, yeah, he lived on food? top of a column and he had like a little basket that people okay. would... I mean, it always relied on, you know, acolytes yeah. to sort him out, but that was his dedication to Christ. Was to... Did you do a wee off it? Yeah. Poo off it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the idea is to reduce your body to such a husk... Oh, you don't need a poo. ...that actually you're, you're entirely open to, you know, your spirit is everything, your, your contemplation, and you get so close to Christ through self-mutilation. Yeah. That's, That's what you really do. That yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a Christ-like figure emptying themselves into a husk. Yeah. That's lovely. I can imagine, yeah, if you could reach that stage of yeah. purity. Probably because I'm very much at the opposite end of the spectrum when it comes <laughs> to self-denial. I go, why would you ever deny yourself anything? I admire it, though. I mean, again, what's great about you? No one has answered any of these things before. It's a fun game, isn't it, when you start thinking about all the shit that's out there. What's the film you could watch the most over and over again? Or have done? Excalibur. Is it? Yes. John Borman's Excalibur. Oh, my God, yes. Talk Partly because my mother used to clean the house of a man called Harry Gaywood. Mm-hmm. Or was it Gary Haywood? Anyway, <laughs> and I would go... She'd pick me up from school yeah. and then I'd go and sit around in his house while she cleaned it. And he had a VHS player mm-hmm. and a collection of videos that he'd take from the television... Um, including Excalibur. And, I mean, it wasn't on telly very often. No. And it was obviously something I shouldn't have been watching anyway because it starts with a brilliant sex scene where Gabriel Byrne in full armour, in full Arthurian armour, <coughs> goes and has sex with um, Uther... Um, no, with... What's her name? Anyway, Arthur's mum. He's Uther Pendragon and he... Anyway. Right. I don't know if you remember how it's... Mrs. Ar- Mrs. Arthur. God, what's her name? Anyway... So he goes and has sex with her and, and it's great and it all kind of unravels from there. And then the brilliant, brilliant Welsh actor <laughs> who plays Merlin. Do you remember him? <laughs> it's a tremendous uh, performance of Merlin. He's <laughs> extraordinary. Anyway, so my mother would be cleaning yeah. or sort of fanning around in the house and I would just watch Excalibur every time. And I, got, I used to look forward to going with her to this house where I could just watch Excalibur again and again. And it was just, and then I, in fact, recently they showed it at the NFT, and mm. I went back and I thought, oh, will it, hold, will it t- yeah. stand the test? And it really did. Really? Helen Mirren plays yes, Morgan, Morgan Le Fay, and Liam Neeson is um, Galahad. Right. And he, that's where they met, Helen Mirren and Liam Neeson. That's where they started their affair. And Cherry Lungi plays Guinevere, and Arthur is played by, he's a very good actor, but. Don't see him in a lot of things. And then there's a very beautiful Lancelot who don't remember seeing anywhere else in any other film. But it's it's brilliant. It's, it's cracking. That's great. And it looks beautiful. You know, John Borman has that yeah. great sort of multicoloured, crispy, creamy English eye and everything is very sort of kind of primordial and there's sort of magic and sex and knights and... Did, yes. were you, when your mum was cleaning and you were watching this, were you ever like, oh, sh- yeah, it's the sexy bit or it's the thing, it's the naughty bit? Or were you, you just not bothered? I don't think she would have noticed, really. Right. OK. <laughs> no, she, yeah. 
I used to watch it and just go, all right, OK, this is the bit where he fucks the naked woman in his... No, I remember thinking, God, that looks painful because he had a full set of armour on and she was naked. How old were you when um, this started? 13, 14. Oh, OK. Yeah, old enough to watch sex okay. and go, oh, that's the doing it. <laughs> that's the bit where they do it. Notice how, oh, don't let them wear armour. <laughs> Never knowingly aroused. <laughs> <laughs> OK. Oh, okay. I don't like being negative, but mm-hmm. what's the worst film you ever seen? <laughs> I could have, I would not have been able to answer this a few years ago, but since having Maud, yeah, I've been forced to sit through so many terrible films because basically we have some. The only routine we have is that after her bath, she gets to watch a film okay. of her choosing, right. which unfortunately was you're like Netflix. not Excalibur. Oh, yeah, well, no, she could watch that. She loves it. She loves. She loves Labyrinth. Oh, great. It's got good taste, that girl. Yeah, she loves Labyrinth and she loves some things you'd think were quite scary. Jungle Book, the new one. Anyway, but since having her and, and, you know, we love to watch films together and she gets to choose. And unfortunately on Netflix, there is a lot of terrible Mm. shit out there for children, including the film Nine Lives. With Kevin Kevin Spacey Spacey as a cat. Jennifer Garner. Is an evil boss who becomes a cat through a magic spell. It's so bad. Wow, yeah. Hey, wait. It's so bad in every way. It's got Kevin Spacey in it, who mm. now you can't watch him in anything without going, ooh. Mm. Um, it's just sort of really, everything lands really badly and wrongly. Like, the jokes are awful and off. The performances are absolutely grotesque. <laughs> he is obviously supposed to be a bit charmless, but you go, oh, God, I don't care about him. And his bratty children and this, their privileged New York lives. And Christopher Walken's doing a funny turn. <laughs> it's just all so unconvincing and so painful, and like everyone's going, let's all do a children's film. Is he turned into a cat as a punishment for something? Is it because he's not very nice and then he learns to be nice because he's a cat? Yeah, he's sort of transmogrified or something, but he, he gets zapped in and then he has to try and win them back. He misses his, oh, he goes to pick up a cat for his child's birth, then he misses it because he's too busy being a capitalist, and then <laughs> his punishment is to be a cat. Catalyst, catalyst, catalyst. Oh, it's just, it's just terrible. Like you go, there's a lot of terrible children's films that you can sit through. You go, oh well, it's terrible because it's yeah. for their level. But this is just terrible on every level. Obviously, Maud likes it, <laughs> so we've yeah. had to watch it more than once. But it's not as bad as My Little Pony, the movie. Oh my god, the new one. Oh, whatever one that was on Netflix. Okay. Oh, it's terrible. Oh, it's painful. So yes, that's been that's been a, a shock having to watch all this stuff that was otherwise, you know, out of my range, yeah. off my radar. That's interesting. But then also revisiting a lot of children's films that are that I never really watched, like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Yeah. <laughs> I've never watched it before. Dark, isn't it? It's so bizarre. Yeah. Really bizarre. She's not scared of the child catcher, though. What? She should be. Fucking should be. What is... You're a comedian type. <laughs> What's the funniest film of all time? <laughs> Oh, do you know, my first answer I thought was Airplane. Mm, correct. it is the most consistently funny. Yeah. And then I remembered Bowfinger. I love Bowfinger. Which I have not seen since I saw it in the cinema. Right. And that was really funny. Really funny. Is it still really funny? I haven't seen it in a few years, but I reckon it would hold up. That was very funny. It's lovely and, and then, funny. then, have you seen Cloven, which is a, like a comedy Danish film, and it's it's basically translates as clown, and it's about... A couple of guys going on a pussy tour. <laughs> it's just, it's, it shouldn't be funny. 
but it is brilliant. It's like mm. proper clowning and I mean it just sort of translates brilliantly like as in you don't have to understand what they're on about it's just these awful characters I think it's from a series it's a film from film special of a series that's a Danish kind of big comedy hit over there but it's um it's great like the clown I just I do love clowning and I think that's the only way you can get away with a comedy film is if it's like consistently stupid all the way through yeah I can't be doing with sort of semi-funny, yeah. <laughs> semi-funny films. Well, it's interesting that I think that um, a lot of the films that comedy comedy often dates, and what but what doesn't date is silly, which is why like yeah. Airplane holds up. Yeah, and I Whereas, mean, like Hot Shots Part Dirt. I mean, all those yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. genre of, of really properly stupid. Stupid you know, holds up. Stupid yeah, laughs. It does. Weirdly, what? Stupid laughs, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I've never been a fan of Laurel and Hardy, but clearly that. Holds up. The, what does? Lauren and Hardy. Oh, Lauren and Hardy, sorry. I think the kind of anything sort of satirical or, or a bit too sort of clever just feels painful. Yeah, it gets dated like yeah. Yeah, green away. <laughs> Basically, what we've learned here is be stupid. <laughs> Poor old Peter Greenaway. Stupid stuff, that's what. That's stupid what is good. Stupid is Weird stupid. and foreign. That's my rule. Weird, good foreign, one. stupid, never knowingly aroused. <laughs> um, Brinky, you've been a wonderful guest. Thanks. Uh, there's something I have to tell you, though. Which is that when you went for your your long walk up the Alps, yeah. you left your passwords, your credit cards, your instructions, where the kettle is, stuff like that. How the microwave works, I don't know. All the things you left. You went up the Alps, you found your crevice that you were going <laughs> to fall in or jump in. And you did, and you died. Yeah. However, when you fell, this is gross, I'm afraid, but you sort of hit quite a lot of stuff on the way down oh. and your body got like sort of stretched out on bits of rock and stuff yeah, yeah. it's quite difficult getting all the bits back together what we did we scraped it off but we got a bit of rock and like some moss and stuff like that was attached <laughs> to you and all sorts of things we kind of managed to get it all together into one vague shape and we put you in the coffin but the coffin it turns out it was much you there was so much more of you including all the bits of the alps right that we just, like, crammed you in this coffin. There's very little room. In fact, there's only room for one DVD that we can slide on the side to take to the other side. And on the other side, there's movie night, and one night it will be your movie night. What film are you taking? And it doesn't have to be any of the answers you've said so far. Cabaret. Great answer. come on. Lovely answer. It's got everything. Go on. It's got Nazis. Growing fascism. Jewish flight. The Jewish plight. Yeah. It's got abortion. Mm. It's got a wonderful narcissistic lead character who can fucking sing and looks incredible. And it's got loads of wobbly real women dancing and fucking about on stage. Yeah. It's got a very camp compare. And the music is phenomenal mm-hmm. and very sexy young um, Oliver Tobias. Is that his name? No, it wasn't Sp- Oliver Tobias. Who is it? Anyway, very pretty Englishman. And um, it's my favourite sort of historical period. It's, it's, it's between the wars. It's a time of despair and elation, freedom, shortly before it all gets crushed and Europe is realigned and will never be the same again. It's the time of my grandparents' mm. good times, when they were briefly allowed to have a good time. Yeah. And that's it. So it's the best. It's a great answer and no one else has taken it, so you're going to be very popular up there. 
No one else has had it. No one else has taken cabaret. <gasps> so. Oh, brilliant. Um, Barinka, you've Bar- been wonderful. Is there anything you would like to plug or say <laughs> that people should look out for? Oh, The Ghoul. Yes. Okay. Everyone watch The Ghoul. It's an excellent film. You should watch The Ghoul. It's out there. I think you can buy it. Uh, also check out your scene in the kitchen in R. Uh, oh, yeah. And um, I hope you enjoy The Afterlife. I think you will, actually. And um, well, if we just get to sit around watching films all yeah, day. Yeah, basically, that's it. Oh, that'd be nice, wouldn't uh, it? I'm very grateful for you doing the show. Thank you for coming. Namaste. Namaste. Juicy juice. Good night. <laughs> so that was episode 58. Thank you so much to Barunka O'Shaughnessy for coming around to do that. Come over to the Patreon for extra content at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. If you do enjoy this show, please subscribe and give it five stars. And instead of putting a review, why don't you write about the last film you saw that blew your mind and why? And I will have a read of it. That'd be nice. And if you do that, it does help make the podcast more visible to people or some shit. And it means I can keep making it, you can keep listening to it, we can keep doing this forever and ever until the world ends. Thanks to Barunka, thanks to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network, thanks to my producer Buddy Peace, who's been amazing, thanks to ACAS for hosting it, thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics, and Lisa Lydon for the photography. Come join me next week where I will have another amazing, incredible guest. But in the meantime, have a lovely week, and please, be excellent to each other. makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to season nine of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.